Hello, TSF family. We wanted to start off by saying thank you. Thank you for listening to this podcast and for your hard work to love yourself more and for your feedback. Can you believe it's been three years that we've been doing this spiritual fix and it has been such a beautiful labor of love for Anna and me. We have loved doing this work. We've loved hearing from you and we love exploring ourselves and each other alongside our listeners. We wanted to put out the call for three ways that you can help support us to support you. One, we would love you to leave us a review on iTunes or follow us on Spotify. Two, drop us an email and let us know how much the podcast means to you. And three, you can donate monthly or even just once to our PayPal patronage. Every little bit helps and we are so grateful to those of you who have donated already. Thank you. You help make this podcast possible. Thanks, y'all. You can go to our website, www.thisspiritualfix.com for information on how to pledge as well as to email us. Welcome to The Spiritual Fix, Episode 18, Season 3. Today we are talking with Ainsley McLeod, renowned past life psychic. Enjoy. This spiritual fix. Two mystical mamas hacking the self-help game. With Anna Stromquist and Christina Wilson. Hi, Anna. Hey, Christina. I am so excited today because we have an amazing guest on with us, don't we? We have Ainsley McLeod here, right? Yay, we're so excited. I am going to give a brief intro about Ainsley before we welcome him to the show. For over two decades, Ainsley McLeod has been using his psychic intuitive gifts to help us understand the journey of the soul and help us to see how this can aid us in deciphering our human beliefs and behavior. Ainsley's experienced a childhood in Scotland filled with psychic experiences from seeing ghosts, having vivid premonitions, and often being able to tell when people were lying. But like so many of us, experienced doubt and was a self-proclaimed atheist for most of his life until he had two life-changing moments in his early 40s, one of which included running into his uncle in a bookstore in Hawaii, who also happened to be deceased. (laughs) Ainsley has since used these gifts with the help of his spirit guides to develop the instruction as a way to help us understand our own personal destiny. His latest book, The Old Soul's Guidebook, Who You Are, Why You're Here, and How to Navigate Life on Earth, helps us to understand that our destinies are not lost to the amnesia of birth, but are in fact standing right in front of us. Ainsley currently lives in the Pacific Northwest where he offers psychic guidance to clients worldwide. He now co-leads with his life and business partner, Christine Love McLeod, the soul world community that is dedicated to inspiring and empowering old souls to embody their full potential. Welcome Ainsley. Well, thank you guys. Welcome. Thank you for having me on the show. We're so happy you're here. <laughs> oh, I'm delighted to be here too. Very exciting. Uh, I wanted to give you a little background on us in case, just so that you know, um, when I was about 17 years old, I came across a Brian Weiss book and I started giving myself past life regressions. Ah. And you give great past life regressions on one of your audio books. You have one, uh, the one about past life trauma where people can be guided to go back and remember their trauma. And Christina is a psychic. And um, so you're very welcome here. <laughs> I'm amongst kindred spirits, right? You're, you're amongst kindred, kindred spirits here. Yeah. 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 So we have we have so many questions for you today. So Anna, do you want to go first? Do you want to shoot with the question first? 
Well, actually, yeah, I'd like to start with a question actually about animals, if we could, because before the show we were talking about the cats that were both present in, in Christina and Ainsley's home. And I remember in one of your books, you said that animals that are reincarnated will usually come back in the same form or even in the same breed. Yeah. And I had a regression where I was saved by a soldier on a black horse. And later that day, my six-year-old son, unbeknownst to me, told me that my black pug used to be a horse in a past life and that he, my son was a soldier. So of course I thought, what are the odds? He must've been the soldier on the horse. So I was just curious. This is just a, to prelude into the rest of the episode. Can dogs also have been horses or is it pretty strict <laughs> that the, that the animal is going to stay congruent well, to the breed? Yeah. It's more the latter. You know, my understanding, and I have checked this out many times with the spirit guides is that w once you start your, cycle of lives on the physical plane in whatever species you're going to stay in that species till you're done so we don't flip flop around you know we're not going from being human to being a horse to being a, a dog or a cockroach or, or whatever we we, mm -hmm. we stay you know if you're a horse in your first life you're going to be a horse to till you're your last with what i'm thinking with the story that you were just telling there is that i think he was you know, picking up on something that was kind of analogous. You know, the dog was, you know, as a reminder of the black horse. Okay, or maybe he saw the past life that I was yes. seeing in my mind and he couldn't put it into words. Right, so that's... yeah. Okay, be, all right, well, something anyway, like I that. just was yeah. very curious about that. Okay, yeah. thanks. I I would love if you could expand. I, I feel like Anna and I actually have had kind of analogous experiences of like coming into our understanding of our gifts. And I know a lot of our listeners are people who are already, you know, old souls. Everyone always says, oh, in some ways, I feel like it gets bantered around a little bit, the idea of being an old soul. Um, yeah, everybody wants to be an old can... soul, right? Everybody wants to be an old Everyone soul. Everyone wants to get the hell out of here. <laughs> <laughs> and, and and in your books, you give a scale of one to 10, you know, one to five, and I don't know if anyone's zero, right? But one to five being new and yeah. kind of after that being old, it, is it kind of true that that people who run into this stuff and, and kind of people who are experiencing and exploring their spirituality tend to be old souls or oh, yes. or is there a, or need to distinct to make a distinction? Well, in my experience, younger souls are not so interested in this kind of uh, work. I've yeah. never had a young soul client in 25 years. They're just not not drawn to this. And the people that I talk to tend to be not just old souls, but they're right up kind of at the end of the, the, the journey. There's sort of, well, there's 10 levels in all. And they tend to be, well, most of my clients are level nine. And then followed mm -hmm. by level tens, level eights, and a smattering of sevens. And really not much uh, younger than, than that. But I never get the young souls, the one to fives. They just don't, they don't have an interest, right. you know. Like if you pick up an Ainsley book, you're guaranteed to be a six or above, essentially. Like that—that's my feeling, absolutely. You know, so I, I mean, I and I tailor my message to older souls. You know, I use language that they're going to understand a little bit more than, than younger ones. It's nothing wrong with younger souls. It's just, you know, no, just like yeah. being a kid, you just haven't quite got the the experience, and your your interests are certainly not going to be the same as as an older person. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. No, that's wonderful. And it, and it's it's also nice. It, it's interesting because with your clients being older souls, I'm curious, in any given day, maybe because you're in the Pacific Northwest and so it may be like a certain self-selecting group or whatever, but like 
how many different types of, of levels of souls do you kind of run into on any given day? Like, I, I kind of wonder if it if it's almost like how often, you know, like how far of a range we, we experience or interact with, or are we just like, when it comes to one or two, you know, younger souls, we're just kind of not even interacting with each other. It's almost like ships passing in the night. Well, it, I, I work with people all over the world because I do everything by Zoom or phone. So yeah. Um, I'm not just talking to people around here, although I do have a lot of clients in the, the Northwest. I, I always say that my clientele is not representative of the population at large because the people yeah. who are drawn to me, they tend to be, they're of a type. You know, one of the things that I talk about in my books are soul types, the personality that we choose uh, before mm -hmm. coming into the world. And there are 10 soul types. And we choose a combination to give us the, the flavor the personality that we have. And I get spiritualist soul types all the time. I mean, it's it's actually, it's a bit of a novelty and a, and a welcome break sometimes when I get somebody who isn't a spiritualist. But usually they'll have a spiritualist as the next influence in their, in their personality or it's, it's prominent. Because those are the people who are most likely to be interested in this kind of work. It would be the same for you with, with people who are drawn to what you're doing. They're going to be yeah. spiritualist types mm -hmm. in the main or have that as a very strong influence in the personality. So I get, I mean, my typical client would be late level nine uh, spiritualist type. I mean, I see them all the time. Like, uh, <laughs> I mean, I, I actually struggle to find different ways to, to mix, you know, mix things up and describe things slightly differently. Otherwise, I'd be just saying the same thing to everybody. You know, it's just they're the people who are drawn to this kind of work they're, right. they're already working on themselves that's partly to do with the soul age they're looking for meaning they're looking for a higher purpose i mean even when i, I think about what what the first questions everybody wants to know i'll always ask that at the beginning to me really to avoid disappointment you know what are you looking to get from the from the session and the first thing almost everybody wants is what's my purpose you know they're looking mm -hmm. at the bigger picture and again you know younger souls wouldn't they wouldn't be interested in that sort of concept quite the same um it might be well you know what job should i be doing but you know that sort of idea of a higher purpose and something more meaningful that you're meant to do here that's an old soul thing mm -hmm. i think it, saying that you rarely run into people of different soul ages reminds me of that ram das quote that says if you think you're enlightened go home for thanksgiving because <laughs> <laughs> it's like <laughs> that's when you're going to be, that's when you're going to see the twos and the ones and the threes and the fives. Cause if we get to choose who we're around, aren't we going to all, I mean, yeah. I'm guessing we're older souls. We're going to pick eight, nines and tens or, you know, I'm guessing. Well, it, it, so. we will. I mean, not, not, family, not just consciously, but we are, we are impelled to seek out each other. That's something again, younger souls wouldn't do. But when you don't have a lot of lifetimes ahead, your soul is trying to experience things, work on karma or whatever it is with, souls that are part of the the broader family so and even what you guys are doing i, I see this a lot with podcasters that you're, you're actually drawing in the the soul family drawing in it's a, it's a huge soul family but then every so often you have to go back to the family of origin who may or may not be soul family and some of them might be and some some are not and there's some huge lessons there you know when you when you go back to the family at thanksgiving or for the holidays well, you you can be really tested, and you can be triggered, and it can also remind you of what you're working on as well. Mm -hmm. You know, why do you get triggered by, you know, Uncle Fred, you know, kind of kind of prodding you about your 
you know, political views or something. You know, it, the, these things tell you some of the major uh, lessons that you're learning in this life. It might be to learn to stand up for yourself and speak your truth or something like that. A lot of old souls, by the way, will choose very challenging families, particularly level 10 souls. They, they come into this world often with families who, um, designed to trigger the fears. And the reason for that is that, again, when you don't have a lot of lifetimes ahead, most of your lifetimes are behind you, you, you want to speed up the progress. You don't want to keep coming back here over and over again. So it can be a quick way to trigger fears. It's also a very harsh way to get the lessons. But you might be working on self-worth issues. It's a past life fear of inferiority. And you choose a family where you're going to get put down. And, uh, you know, that sort of experience can be very, very harsh. But it forces you to work on whatever is is needing to be worked on and resolved before you can move on and for some old souls it's to be it's to be able to get out of here for the last time and not have to come back one of the one of the things that i see in podcasters is o trying to overcome the fear of rejection and that's why you know a lot of old souls will come into a family where maybe the parents aren't totally there for them or there's you know a little bit of abandonment or something it triggers the past life memories of abandonment and then that forces you then to deal with that, which ideally should be through seeking community. But the reason I see it a lot in podcasters is that you're trying to heal your own issues around rejection, but you're doing it by bringing the, the community, the soul family uh, together. And not just belonging yourself, which can be very healing, but being the uniter, being the one who, who's responsible for bringing people together. You can even do that in really small ways. If you're trying to work through that particular past life fear, being the one who calls a friend to go for coffee rather than waiting for them to call you, that, mm -hmm. that can be important. You know, asking somebody to go on a date, you know, that, I mean, that can give people with rejection or that fear of rejection conniptions, but it can be very, very healing when you, when you face the fear and actually, you know, grab the, grab the bull by the horns. Yeah. No, I'm absolutely. I can, I can, especially that first thing you were saying, I was like, I don't know if I'm level 10, but I definitely was like, I really, really, uh, you know, that whole inferiority and like really speeding up the lessons, all our, you know, our listeners know that we kind of put our hearts on our sleeves and we're like, Hey, we're going to show you all our stuff right? because maybe if we show it, something's going to resonate with you and yeah. it's going to help you get through it. So, yeah. Well, sharing your journey is so important when you're, when you're trying to, um, you know, illuminate the path for others, I think that is, you know, it is so helpful, especially, you know, in, in the kind of position you're, you're in where you're, it's a leadership position. And I think it's very important to show your, your vulnerability to, to share your journey. You know, this is an interesting point. I work with these spirit guides who have, we all have spirit guides. Mine were talking to me a while back about expertise and how pre-internet they observed that we looked to experts uh, we looked we looked for people with phds and letters after their name the the academics who'd studied a topic they said kind of post-internet things have changed um, a lot and what people are looking for uh, in a so-called expert is someone who has actually walked the talk somebody who's actually experienced it for themselves 
And uh, that gives an awful lot of credibility. I, actually, when I wrote my first book, I, I'm still working through some major past life fears around judgment and self-expression. So I had the spirit guides going, you need to share your past. And I'm going, oh, God, no. You know, I, I mean, I wanted to write neutrally as, you know, the detached observer kind of thing. And they're going, no, you have to share. Um, so I put, I put stuff in the in introduction about my experience. And, it, it, you know, I, at the same time, I was working through the, the past life fears. It became a little bit more comfortable to do that. A couple of years before, I just wouldn't have been able to, to, to do that at all. And uh, after the book came out, people were coming up to me and thanking me for sharing that because I wasn't coming across as just somebody who's got this elevated position who seems to, you know, magically know everything. But, you know, I was a, just a muggle like everyone else who just, mm -hmm. you know, happened to have you know, stumbled upon a way to work with spirit guides and get this information. But I'm not, uh, you know, special or, or anything else. I made my fair share of mistakes and, and blunders and hopefully eventually learn from them. Yeah. Wonderful. I think being honest and human is what we all want. I mean, we want that connection. I think people are looking for authenticity these days. Yeah. yeah. Definitely. I agree. Along those same lines, a lot of the teachers that we talk to talk about how it feels as if we're globally accelerating, not simply just, I mean, maybe facilitated by the internet, but do you and, and the spirit guides believe that we are in kind of a, a faster time in which we're changing and going through lives faster? Yeah. Or is it just simply that we're on a continuum where it feels like that for us as individuals? Well, we are, no, we are, it's, it's, it's not just an we really are. The whole the whole thing's picking up speed, and what we're undergoing is a shift in consciousness. It's uh, what my spirit guides call the transformation. But you hear you hear a lot about people talking about you know shift in consciousness, and it's it's a real thing. The last time it happened to our species was fifty five thousand years ago, and then that sort of gradually led us to becoming the creatures of reason and creativity that we are now. But we are going through another shift. And it, I, I find the whole thing fascinating because we, you know, a lot of times people will say to me, well, you know, you keep talking about the shift, but oh my God, look at the, you know, the, the attack on the Capitol building or, you know, it's, it's basically young souls acting out. And they go, I don't think we're making any progress, but we are. What, what we are seeing is actually a reaction to this, this shift. So you've got the old souls kind of leading the way and a lot of younger souls digging their heels in and they're not comfortable with it. They don't understand it. So it's, uh, it induces fear. Now, what I find really particularly interesting is that women are leading the way now, are, are, are beginning to anyway. More old souls are coming in as women or have been for, for quite a while and are men with more feminine energy. And to some extent, this is a rescue mission because the world as it's been, this, you know, the white patriarchy, you know, male patriarchy, is it's not working. You know, we, we've messed up the planet hugely and we can't go on like this. So it, this rescue mission is really these older soul women coming in. And you'll see it all over the place, particularly in politics and social issues. I use Greta Thunberg as a, an example, mm. a climate activist. You guys in Georgia, you've got Stacey Abrams, the mm -hmm. really old soul. 
and um, you know, in in Washington, they have AOC and the the squad. These are older, more spiritually conscious souls coming in to really make a difference, and um, they have a far higher level of altruism than the uh, than you traditionally see in in politicians. Could you speak a little bit about for anyone who hasn't read your books, a little bit about the ten different types that like there's leader, yeah, spiritualist, etc., and then. Like, would Stacey Abrams be leader or creator? I mean, I'm, I'm just curious yeah. where politics fall in that. Yeah, well, th- there are 10 soul types, and these are th- these are personality types, archetypes, if you like, that are, are based on experiences that you've had in previous incarnations. So you, if you're, let's say you're a performer type kind of person who's going to be on the stage or TV or film or you know, somebody who's it could be even be in sales or something like that. You're going to be more of a people person, probably more extroverted and, and so on. Then you've developed that over many lifetimes. You will have, had fa- will have many past lives where you've been in the public eye and been influencing people that way. The, the 10 soul types are the helper, which is this is the kind of person who gets fulfillment just from being of service to the community. Be everything. You could be working in a shop, for example. That might, you know, bore the heck out of a leader type who's, you know, all about action. But the the helper could be very fulfilled in that. Anything that feels where they're benefiting the community. There's a caregiver type, which you'll see. A very typical thing I see in caregivers is being drawn to hospice work, but also working with animals as well. Yeah, I took your quiz, which we'll link in the show notes, and well, and that's one of my top ones. And I'm a physical therapist. I work with disabled people. Oh, I thought it was just yeah. There you go. That's so, that's that, go. absolutely. That's a great way to express the caregiver. And and you know, even just talking to you for a minute, you you know, you've got a caregiver in there. So, you know, huge empathy coming out there. There, uh, let me see some of the the other soul types. There's educator soul type. They're almost always drawn to teaching. Yeah, and the thinker type. Very intellectual. Um, you'll I see this in scientists, doctors, anybody who has to study or read contracts or whatever. You know, thinkers all about curiosity, past lives as an academic, lawyers, scientist, researcher, you know, that's, that, or explorer as well through that curiosity. There's creator. I'm a full blown creator and um, I'm an artist. I, yeah. I was a, an illustrator for 20 years and I. I paint now and play bass, play guitar. You know, it's I've got I've, write books. Write books. You know, yeah, yeah. I use the mm-hmm. creator all the time, and I found actually most of the people I've worked with who are really kind of overtly psychic or you know really kind of doing it for a living, they tend to be creator types. And the reason for that is that as a creator, you're imbued with a huge amount of sensitivity. You know, that's why we have the archetype of the sensitive artist. And that allows you uh, a more easy connection to the other side. So um, the performer I mentioned, you know, the person who's going to be, you know, more likely to be drawn to be in the spotlight, sometimes to help overcome past life fears around judgment or self-expression. You know, where the, maybe you, you stuck your head above the parapet in the past life, got it knocked off, and in this life you could choose a performer to make sure you don't hide your light. Then there's the hunter. Um, a lot of uh, a lot of women that I work with have a hunter in them, some in their soul type somewhere. Very often to give a little bit more drive. As a, as an old soul, 
you often want to tap into those past lives where you had that hunter energy, sort of more masculine energy, more active, goal-oriented. And that can help because of the soul. Well, when the soul gets to be really old, the drive can drop off. You've been around the block so many times. So I like and have having that influence to Viagra it kind of gives the soul a little bit, it gets a mojo back, back right. going, you know. And little hunter yeah. icon on the Viagra bottle. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. So then you have the leader who's, it looks a bit like the hunter, but um, looking for leadership positions. I mean, you're asking about Stacey Abrams. Uh, I mean, so I'm sure I haven't looked into her. Or maybe I did, but I can't remember if I saw her soul types. But she would be typical of that person who's got the leader in there somewhere and the spiritualist. So there's okay. the idealism um, of the spiritualist along with the the authority that you get from having the leader in you. You know, we, we always know who the leaders are. We, we look to them mm -hmm. for, for direction. I always say, the way you can tell is if the lights suddenly go out, the sudden emergency, everybody looks to the leader. Like, what do we do now? So, yeah. And then the spiritualist, yeah. you see, most of my clients are spiritualist types. And there are two paths, if you like, that get you to become a spiritualist or teach you teach you all the lessons you need to become a, an old soul spiritualist. And their lives of contemplation, monks, nuns, priests, that sort of thing, and also lives of healing, surgeons, midwives, healers of all kinds, doctors, and so on. So they kind of collide a little bit if you think of the spiritualist as being kind of this combination of spirituality and healing. And they're the ones really leading the charge in this transformation. It's the spiritualists. A lot of the healers are really kind of leading the way. And, you know, not before time as well. And then there's, like there's one last soul type to, to just to mention, which is the transformer, which is a... Transformers come along every so often when the, the, the world really needs them. Where, where, who who is a good example of would Jesus yeah, would have maybe yeah there would be or, you know I, I use examples like uh, Martin Luther King Jr. and Gandhi Gandhi is uh, another good example you know the, the, the there's always uh, and Greta Thunberg is is a really good example oh, yeah. that yeah. they they have a a kind of a charisma they have an altruism I mean the the thing is that they're not just doing it for themselves they're doing it because they feel that. They, the world needs to change. They do it for free, yeah. They they, would, yeah, yeah, absolutely. And they may even risk their own personal safety because there's, it mm -hmm. feels like there's such a higher purpose oh. as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, so sometimes they take take risks. There are a, a lot of souls who are kind of quasi-transformers. It, it's getting a bit esoteric, but a full-blown transformer is usually on their last life. And they have this combination of the leader and spiritualist. Some who are not quite on the, necessarily on the last life. John Lennon, Nelson Mandela. They're, they're people who certainly have charisma and all the traits. The, the main thing that you get with a transformer is a following. They always, they always mm. have, they have followers. So I've had people say to me, oh, I think I'm a transformer. And I go, well, where, where are all your followers? Oh, yeah. Where are your followers? Where's your cult? <laughs> right. Yeah. 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 Um, so Bob Marley probably was one. Yeah, could could well have been. Quasi. Mm -hmm. Quasi. Yeah. I took the test and I got, 
I got the creator and the spiritualist as the top ones, but they were still only in the teens. Is that normal for like, for like most people to kind of have a distribution and like their high, their primary is like in the teens of their percentage? Yes, it ab- absolutely. Yeah. I mean, there's some people where it's really hard to tell the, you know, which is the soul type, which is the primary influence. Some they think, and mm-hmm. you don't have to worry too much about it because your soul will take care of it. You don't have to think, oh my gosh, am I using my spiritualist or do i need my creator or where's my thinker right now the soul will sort of just bring bring whatever you need up i mean let's say you had to, had to sit an exam your, your soul would go okay well let's make the thinker a little more prominent here you know it's it, it's really it's taking care of business all the time you don't have to worry too much about it but you know as, as somebody who's very psychic you're, you you i'd expect you to have a very strong creator influence in there as well it's, it is, it's, it does seem to be a characteristic that I come across in people who are doing psychic work. So that's very yeah. interesting. It, it makes sense too, though, like you said, that sensitivity to kind of the energy flows that are going on and everything that's happening. It's like you almost have to pick something that feels nebulous and depending on obviously everyone's psychic gifts, but like pick something that's nebulous and create it into words that people can understand right yes, that like yeah. it's like feelings and thoughts that people can understand it's it's actually um, it's a like an being an interpreter exactly yeah that's a really yeah. great way of saying it right mm-hmm. yeah yeah I was looking over your book, The Instruction, Living the Life Your Soul Intended this morning and I liked how it was talking about how the creator their quote unquote you know weak spot would be distractibility. And my and I just thought that's so accurate like you know the creator's like oh this and then that and then you know I, I, I was talking to a client yesterday and, and she's got that strong hunter in her and I was talking about how that helps you to really complete projects there's a tenacity that you get when you have that mm. in your in your personality as a creator I was talking about I have unfinished projects all over the place I've got unfinished paintings I said if I look under this desk there's probably an unfinished project of some kind you know <laughs> articles i haven't completed the the it, it it looks it can look like adhd you know it's like right um, it's just a surplus of creator energy absolutely don't worry, and don't worry that's about what it. i tell you, you got it because that's what i tell people don't worry about it you know what one interesting thing is when i'm looking at people most of the people i work with have i would say five elements soul type primary influence three three secondary influences I only have three three influences, and I, I I was always puzzled by this. You know, every time I checked in with the spirit guides over the years, I mean, how come I only get three? But the the main reason is if I had any more, I would be so distracted. I would be I, I probably never have really got my career as a psychic off the ground because I'd have been got well. I want to be a sculptor as well, and I want to do this, and I, I want mm-hmm. and I, you know, I, I, it's a way of kind of reining things in a little bit is just to choose just just three elements there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, but God bless us. We need our creators, and we need the idealists, and, and those people who. We need all of them. Yeah. yeah, we all we all serve a purpose. It all goes back to when we lived in, you know, extended families, and and so on. Could can go back to the Stone Age or way before, and everybody served a purpose. And that's what's what we've forgotten, and and that's what I'd love to get out into the world. You know, just you know, you, you know, like I mentioned. Uh, helper types don't they don't usually have grand ambitions you know they're they're not the ones who are well they may be serving in a restaurant but they've got this you know screenplay they're working on that would be a performer who's you know who's really got sort of other other fish to fry 
the 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 helpers the type who just well, I just love doing the work and and they don't usually need a lot of praise that the the work is its own reward and where would we be without them these are the essential workers that they they talk about during the pandemic everybody serves a purpose unfortunately in the modern world we we tend to we've lost sight of that I mean corporations putting people into the most inappropriate positions and because they don't understand the, the you know the the, the the root core of people's personalities all over the place that are square pegs and round holes people who are not they're not able to really manifest their true potential because they're just in, in the, the wrong place and sometimes it's the influence of parents or teachers you know pushing a smart creator to be a doctor maybe when they should have been an artist or whatever it's often why you see people having the midlife crisis where they give up a job mm. People are going, oh my God, you're crazy. You were earning so much and now you want to throw it all away and, you know, do something completely different. But it's because the soul's pushing through and going, you know what? I really don't want to do this. I don't care how much money you yeah. throw at me. I got, I've got more important, more personal I things to do. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. I, have, I, I, I wonder if you guys are interested. I have a, I, I actually picked up a past life for each of you. Just. <laughs> Um, oh, I'd love to hear very, it. Very, very few notes. Oh, but we I, love this stuff. <laughs> <laughs> well, let me let me just go to my notes here for a second. And okay, uh, Christina, I'll do you f first. Okay. And like I say, not not a lot, you don't need a lot of details uh, really to to get the healing from past lives, as long as it's enough for your soul to go. Ah, right. Yeah, I remember. Yeah. You know, because what we're all, but when it comes to fears, we all carry these fears in from past lives. It's how we respond to trauma. It's why two people can respond to the same traumatic event so differently. It all depends on what's yeah. lying in your soul's past. Christine, you, you were in in Germany during, during the time of uh, uh, World War II, or, or I think maybe prior to that, maybe 1930s. You actually ended up in prison for protesting the, the Nazis. And uh, but I, you spent a long time in prison. And by the time you, you left, your health was completely broken. The big lesson that your soul's taken away from that is it's about, well, it's a fear of powerlessness. You'll see this with anybody who's been imprisoned or enslaved in a past life. And you, the way that it shows up in this life is, is wanting to be empowered yourself, you know, so you want to be an empowered woman because you were so disempowered in the past life. But you'll also want to empower others. It's, that's the karmic aspect of it that you, you've got the internal work going on, but it has to spill out and, and become a part of what you do to, to help other people. And I would think as well that because there are major health issues from the past life, that you would be very health conscious in this mm -hmm. life as well. I mean... Did you listen to the podcast? <laughs> I, have, I have to say I didn't. <laughs> I know, I'm just Apologies. kidding because... No, I'm kidding because... That's like a theme of a lot of the episodes is her. Oh, really? Is her focus on, um, you can tell, I'm not going to speak to you, sorry. Yeah, yeah, it just, uh, yeah, it's absolutely, it, the conscious, the kind of constantly being aware of health, a little bit of hypochondria if I don't get a, a rain on it, you know, yeah. that kind of experience of just like not trusting the body to necessarily take care of me mm -hmm. the way that I need it to, to support everything I want to do. Yeah. Yeah. I, after a past life like that, I would expect you to um, eat well um, and take your vitamins and take some exercise. Oh, yeah. oh. She has and, a whole cabinet of vitamins. <laughs> well, 
Yeah, I do. I do. <laughs> Teas yeah. and vitamins. Yeah. And I've, and I've seen all the Nazis too. Like I've seen them, I've seen them. And sometimes I've gotten confused even because I like what I've, I've gone, I, I haven't seen that detail of it, which is, I love it. Thank you so much. Mm. But sometimes I would get confused as to what role I was in, if you know yes, what I mean. Yes, absolutely. Like, yeah, it can it can be hard to tell sometimes when you when you're looking back at a past life. Am I the per- perpetrator or the victim of this this in this scenario? But the the other thing is, I think that you would be. I th- I think you'd have a strong sense of justice and fairness after being unfairly imprisoned as well, along with a, a strong need for f- personal freedom. Don't fence me in. The, the motto of anyone who's been imprisoned, who has that fear of powerlessness, is don't tell me what to do. You know, it's a oh, yeah. huge difference between somebody asking. You have art. nailed this woman. <laughs> <laughs> I, I always say you, all you need is a couple of details and you can extrapolate so much from it. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Anna, let's have a look at, oh, at yeah. your one. Let me just go back. That is so cool. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm surrounded by, there's a lot of prisons in my area, though. There's oh. like a lot of like, there's a state penitentiary and there's a federal one nearby. And I'm always just like, I feel them. I yeah. can feel them so acutely. Oh, and there's, yeah. there's an old menstrual institution like really close by. And I'm always just like, it's interesting that I've yeah. ended up in a place that's in proximity to so many imprisoned people. Isn't it? To trigger um, you, maybe. Yes, yeah. absolutely. Well, you know, and I found sometimes that, that people who have been imprisoned, the obvious thing is if you've had a past life of imprisonment, you you don't want to go near a prison in case even to visit somebody because what happens if the door clanks closed behind you and doesn't open again? Yeah. But I've also found people will become prison visitors because of the, the karmic need to help those who are incarcerated. And so many people, unfortunately, who are incarcerated shouldn't be. Yeah. So, okay, let's have a look at Anna. Let's see what, uh, Anna, on, let's yes. see what we've got here. Okay, it, it doesn't look as maybe as dra- dramatic here. As, okay, I'm just trying to get this up here. Yeah, um, you were, you're a guy in Yugoslavia. This is... 1950s 1960s you had a bicycle shop and (laughs) you were so bored the major thing about it was that they said that you were meant to be an explorer your your life plan was about you going off and doing things in the world and you know ending up far away from home and instead as they described it the shop maybe you uh, maybe it was a family business that you went into the shop became a millstone around your neck they said you had all these things that you wanted to do and the what you were looking forward to was planning to travel once you retired or made enough money but unfortunately you died young and you didn't get the chance to do the things that that you had planned to do now this this would be a past life fear of failure and how that would show up in this life is i usually describe it as a feeling of unfinished business that there's lots i got to be doing um it keeps you keeps you sort of active and the feeling of there's got to be something you know curiosity following this squirrel that squirrel you know like busy 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 busy. full full agenda yeah and you'll see you'll see it even as a child you know the child who's doing this you know that you know they're drawing on the floor one minute they're they're doing a a project here and they're reading something and it just the the curiosity thing is just keeping you Mm -hmm. what you're doing is you're trying to make up for the what feels to your soul like wasted time in the past life so you know as soon as i graduated yeah, I don't really feel like a failure, but maybe that's the underlying unconscious belief behind my 
drive for productivity and activity. But I know that as soon as I graduated undergrad, first thing I did, I traveled abroad. I traveled alone as a woman for like five years. Oh. I traveled the world. And in retrospect, like if my daughter, you know, my children wanted to do that, I would be like horrified. But I had like a backpack. I, I was a vagabond for five years because I had to see the world. So I feel, I think maybe... Oh, there it you go. came from that that life. I was like, I got to get out there because I, I was like, as soon as I'm free, you know, I had to fulfill the undergrad requirement. I, would, I needed to see the world. Your soul would would be really hyper vigilant about it, the feeling of being trapped, because that's what you you, were, you ended up trapped in in the past. In response, trapped in responsibility, not a prison, but yeah. oh, it it, like, it, yeah. it can also it can show up in relationships as well. You know that that or even in in work where somebody with a fear of failure who's got that feeling of being trapped in the past life can be sometimes reluctant to put both feet into a relationship in case it turns out to be the wrong thing yeah i think like in my marriage i was thinking have i ever 100 percent given myself fully completely and i don't know if i have yeah that that wouldn't surprise me because and there can be other reasons for that i mean it could be somewhere past life fear of inferior uh, sorry in intimacy or past intimacy past yeah life oh which lost. made me do one of your regressions and i saw some stuff but yeah yeah totally, totally and when you're carrying that sort of thing in along with that fear of being trapped yeah you, it it can be a little bit like having one foot out yeah like out. just scared to completely yeah give yourself in case in case you end up essentially imprisoned again yeah. yeah. So let's hope that this story, remembering this, is going to free me of that crap. It's it's, ha it's happening as we speak. Yeah. <laughs> so it so it is. <laughs> I I am right there with you. You're here. I do not want. Let's get rid of it all. I I for our listeners who haven't heard in in another episode in a in a book or in a podcast of yours or somewhere you talked about how with children the way that you can explain to them their past life trauma is you just tell them a story yeah. right yeah can you speak to that a little bit oh absolutely well this is something that really blew me away in in the early days of doing this work I actually had somebody call me up and uh, he, he said my two year old son is ha having terrible night terrors. And so I I went back and had a look at a past life. And what was happening is he was being chased in a past life through the streets of some some Asian city and actually being shot at. And uh and I can't remember I think he must have died. I mean I think I must have I think he was shot in the back. And um he's re experiencing that in his in his sleep. This is a very common thing that that, that mm -hmm kids particularly but we, we can all do that so. i always i've always thought night terrors must have been a past life oh, thing with kids to totally. where, where else do they have where the... else would it come from exactly yeah. so they're remembering past lives and so i told him and his reaction was kind of like you know well you know that seems crazy and i'm going just tell your two-year-old some bedtime story and he goes well he's asleep and i go well, you don't even have to wake him up. You know, just sit beside him and tell him, and the soul is going to get it. Because you know, even though I mean, a two-year-old's not going to be getting all those details about being, mm -hmm. you know, chased through the streets of Shanghai or something. Um, but the soul will go, "All right, thank you." Okay, because the soul needs to be reminded. The big thing here is that you might be on life hundred something, but your soul's on life number one because it doesn't die between lives like the, the body and the mind. So it, it has a real challenge separating what happened 
even hundreds of years ago from this particular lifetime. So that's the, the magic of doing past life work is just to be able to say that was then, this is now, and the soul kind of going, oh, all right, okay, let's stop worrying about it. So I've seen that over over so many examples over, over the years where people will tell the, the, the bedtime story and the child kind of will just take it in and... So like, what, how would you say you'd say like, okay, and then the, the man in China got shot in the back and then he went to heaven and he's okay now because he has a new life. Like, how do you kind of wrap that up? Uh, well, um, you always do it age appropriately. I say. Right. Yeah. Like, <laughs> you know, you don't, you don't want to give a three-year-old sort of, you know, details about the rape, the experience in the previous lifetime, but there's ways, right. there's ways of doing it. So I usually would leave that up to the parent, you know, just tell them what, what you feel is is uh, appropriate. I remember one one mother telling me that she had told her son about the past life, and then and he just listened. You know, and maybe he's five, and then he a couple of weeks later he goes, and she just did it as a story. Oh, there was this guy and and his friend, and they were whatever, so like a, like an adventure story. And this little five year old. Just stops her in the hallway and goes, "Hey, remember that story you told me? That was me, wasn't it?" <laughs> and <clears throat> you know, he clearly, wow. clearly got it. Cool. But the main thing is the, the important thing, of course, is about the healing. Right. And right. Uh, so that's the sort of magic thing where the 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 night terror, so the the terrible fear, it just it lifts. You know, it just it disappears usually very very quickly. Mm -hmm. It can be in the moment or in a few days or a few weeks. But I get that all the time. People coming back to me and go, oh my God, we tried everything. Could you tell our listeners a little bit about resonance and how the trauma can be stored in the body and how healing it by having a session with you or having a regression where they can remember the past life trauma can actually heal a physical ailment? Oh, absolutely. Oh, I, I, I've had a lot. There's so many. There, are, I mean, there are so many. There's, there's um, somebody I talk about in my in my recent book, the the Old Souls Guidebook, I, I was just telling her about a past life. Now, generally, when I talk, tell people about a past life, they're not coming to me and saying, "Can you explain why I have such and such an issue?" I am saying, "Okay, this happened to you. Do you have a problem with?" Right, and then they're shocked because you're spot yeah. on. And so, and and it's my favorite part, the job. You know, it's like I I love doing that little. You know, seeing how these little things unfold and the, and all the little little ways that they'll show up. So I was telling this one woman that she'd died very horribly. She was put into a tiny little crate and left out in the sun and uh, sort of all squished up and, you know, baked to death. I mean, really traumatic stuff. And I, I said, well, you know, do you have mobility problems? And she's, it turned out she had huge mobility problems. But they completely went away within a day and she was, she's taking videos and pictures sending them to her mom and and her mom's amazed and then i worked with her mom and she had some mobility issues i think in her neck or or something and we did some past life work and and all of that disappeared as well well i want to thank you because in preparation for this episode i was playing around with, with one of your regressions on the audio and i was i saw myself as a woman as i was like a maid in like, I want to say like Downton Abbey looking kind of place, but 
long time ago before that. And I was, I had dislocated my shoulder as a child. And when they put it back in place, they had done it incorrectly. So I actually was very disabled and in pain for most of that life. I, ha I had like a non-working right arm. And mm -hmm. I think that's actually why I became a physical therapist maybe because yeah. of, of that. But anyways, in the tape, you walked me, walked me through like letting go that resonance and the sadness or whatever it was in that life. And then I have been having restrictive shoulder issues for like the last eight months. And I specifically did an arm workout today because it feels amazing. Ah, so thank you. You are so and welcome. So that's some, that is some proof for people listening. You got to go read his book or book a session with him because if you've got some weird limitations, there could be a past life thing going on. Well, you... And it was about fear of failure because I was a maid and I never could do my, I was, my wages were docked because I couldn't do as much work as everyone else because I was only had my left hand. And it was, you know, a very big stigma. Oh my gosh. And there would be loads of other things that would play into that. I mean, self-worth issues. Also yeah. feeling that you have to work very hard to, to, to prove your, your worth. Oh, hence so... all my freaking... Stuff yeah, that I do. so much of your stuff, but, <laughs> yeah. but all of that will start to to, to heal. Yeah, I, yeah. I. So thank you. You're, I mean, it's just amazing what how you're touching people. So. Oh, I mean, I'm I'm just I'm I'm so delighted to hear that, and I'm you know just love uh, I love I know, hearing just like... that sort of thing. Just look at you. <laughs> <laughs> may I ask? May May I ask a question? Um, mostly just because. It was this incredibly vivid dream I had last night. And usually when I have a dream the night before we do an interview, I'm like, I'm supposed to ask this question. So the long and the short of it was that basically someone had left a book out in the rain and, or they had left a book out and I was like, oh, I should move that book inside in case it rains. And then it did start raining and the book was getting ruined. And so I took it upon, I, I admonished myself for not having, you know, picked up the book earlier because now it was getting ruined and it's a long chain of events that happened, but basically me picking up this book in the rain led to a car in a tree, like 20 feet up in a tree, you know, like, cause it was like a chain of events that happened in which like that, you know, one intervention in which I hadn't picked up a book and put it inside before it started raining, then I kind of started this chain reaction. And what I was, when I was talking to the guides about the dream this morning, my guides about them, they were like telling me that it had to do with kind of intervening in karma and taking responsibility for other people's karma. And because I had the dream, I had to ask if there's anything that you get from that experience or if I'm even interpreting it right well, I, in that. I, I think what I would take away from it, it is something about the butterfly effect. And there's, there, you know, small actions affect the tiny things that you do affect people in ways that you, you well, you won't know until you process this life when you go to the astral plane at the end of it. I think there's some some message there about cause and effect. What, what I would do is um, bring your spirit guides in and, and do some journaling, do some writing and see if you can make some very simple connections. Don't look for the complex stuff initially. Just look, even ask them, is there a single word or a very short phrase that could help me to understand what this is about? And I think it's it's certainly about karma. And I think it's about, mm. you know, one action over here affects something over there. But that's for, you know, for you to explore with your guides. But, yeah. you know, what they taught me was that there's often two levels of, of understanding. It's a very simple one that could be just karma. Just a reminder about the importance of that. And then a more complex message underneath. Look for the simple one first and then look for something a little, little 
with a little more depth afterwards. That should help. Wonderful. Thank you. I'd love to ask this question, but I don't know if you've been asked it before or if it's an off-limit topic. But what about interplanetary past lives? What about having memories of being on another planet or being a being of alien origin? Or do you say that we're always human, always human? Uh, what I get is always human, always human. And anytime I try to go near topics like this, my spirit guides shut it right down. They, okay. They, they're like, no. They, there are okay. certain things that they, you know, I, I have, you know, as they call it, a purview. And, the, you know, this this is what I do. So if I kind of, kind of you know, people ask me about aliens, Atlantis, Bigfoot, spirit guys won't, they, they just won't go near Yeah. They're like, but, this is our niche and let's yeah. just not go there. Yeah. Okay. So, I, yeah, curious. no, I, so yeah. I, I wish I could give you some, you know. No, that's fine. I, just, I could not ask. Yeah. Yeah. You said that the means to become spiritual should not be confused with spirituality itself. Yes. Can you expand on that? Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you. This is a this follows on from a conversation I had with the spirit guides a couple of years ago where they were talking about I, I you know I I was asking them about really what what do you what do you think it means to be spiritual, you know, you on the other side. And they said, well, there's a lot of human beings who think that spirituality is just about having meditation practice or a yoga practice or wishing everybody namaste or, you know, that there are certain ideas about what it means to be spiritual. They say that they love that sort of thing. I mean, I get it all the time from the spirit guides. The importance of meditation, it's almost like everything starts with that. Yoga, they love. Especially when it's, they're not so keen on yoga as almost like a workout, but as, as something that's helping to integrate mind, body, and spirit, they, they absolutely love that. But they, they see it as a means to an end. It's not the end in itself. Climbing a mountain and staring at your navel and going into that spiritual place, that is not an end in itself. What is spiritual is really about how we help other people, how we how we interact with other human beings and the effect that we have on others. Now, not everybody's here to do, to do that. Some people, but only a very, very small number, are here just pretty much to be hermits and isolate and just get on with their, their own thing. But most of us are here to interact with other human beings because that's how we learn to be human. And that's really the whole point of it, why, why we reincarnate. We're, we're learning to be human and we're learning. We're on a journey to compassion and, and love. We're developing empathy all the time. And we don't just do that through connection with spirit. I mean, that's, that's opening us up to all of that. But it's really how, how we'll be measured when we go to the other side is really based on what we've done to improve the lot of others, to make the world a better place. You know, to work on whatever fires us up it could be you know, healing, it could be working for injustice issues or about equality or whatever. So I, I really encourage people who are on the spiritual path to think about that, that everything you're doing is great, but it's always about the, the this practical spirituality, if you like. It's about how much you're you're helping to create a better world. I love that. That's yeah. great. That's that's extremely helpful. And I think it will be helpful for our listeners. Good. Too. Thank you. Yeah. I wanted to ask you a question and it's kind of selfish in nature, but you're here. So I just have to ask. Go for it. 
So I suffer from something called PMDD, which is like severe PMS. And basically my body stops making serotonin right before menstruation. Sorry, that's TMI, but that's just, it's just a very hellish experience every month that I go through. Medication helps. And I've tried every, you know, psychic, holistic remedy I can think of. I feel like, could it be a past life I haven't tapped into? So I was just wondering if you can read that, if that is a resonance from a past life about an injustice against women, or I don't know what. It, uh, absolutely. So it's, it's a past life thing. If you, if, if you do the recording, the, the recorded regression again, ask your spirit guides to specifically show you the life where this comes from. And you're, you're probably looking at something around um, rape, rape sexual trauma, something, yeah. tra trauma in, in that sort of area of the body. Yeah. Mis what is it called? Self-misogyny or yeah. what is that? Yeah, something. Okay. I'll look at okay. that. Okay. So, yeah, I, I mean, I've, I've helped, uh, you know, quite a number of women with, with issues around that. I mean, thinking of somebody, she was having um, terrible period pains and she'd have to take like three days in bed every month and we got it down to her just taking an aspirin and being able to get through no you know okay. no problem i'll definitely uh, pull out your meditation later tomorrow <laughs> absolutely yeah i think just and and if if you if you don't have any luck with that uh give me a call awesome yes wonderful well, is there anything you wanted to add before we wrap it up, Ainsley? Oh, I w we were going to talk about your membership and books. Sure. I mean, I, I no, I'm, I'm good. I think I've, um, let's, uh, uh, thank you for all these great questions. You know. Uh, oh no! Thank uh, you for you, your time. As you can tell, I, I love my subject, so I could, I could keep talking all day. Yeah. You know, creator. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You have to cut me off at some point. <laughs> No, we love it. We are so great. We know your time is valuable, so thank you. Well, if you enjoyed this interview, which you must have, you got to this point, you can visit his website. It's Ainsley McLeod, A-I-N-S-L-I-E-M-A-C-L-E-O-D.com. You can check out all of his books there. There are wonderful books all about the different soul life levels and traumas that we encounter and gifts we're given and it's just everything and more that we talked about today. He also has a Soul World membership, which you can find at www.soulworld.com, where he does free broadcasts on Sundays for everyone. And then if you join the membership, which is $57 a month or $627 a year, you get live recorded classes, regressions, integration sessions, question and answers with Ainsley, messages, discounts on courses, as well as access to his private member forum, which sounds amazing. And people that have done it say it, it's life-changing. So you can also check out his most recent book, Old Souls Guidebook, Who You Are, Why You're Here, and How to Navigate Life on Earth. Thank you, Ainsley, for your time, your wisdom, your healing, and we're very grateful. Gosh, well, thank you both. It's, it's been wonderful getting to know you. A pair, a pair yeah. of very sweet old souls. <laughs> yes. Ah, take care. Well, you too. Thank you so much. All right. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. For more information about Ainsley McLeod, you can go to his website at www.ainsleemacleod.com. Or you can also go to the soulworld.com to get on the wait list to become in the next enrollment for the membership community. We also recommend that you look up his book, The Old Souls Guidebook. Thanks for listening. And remember, humility, gratitude, acceptance, done. 
Let me tell y'all a riddle. There are four girls and four apples in a basket. Every girl takes an apple, yet one apple remains in the basket. How is this possible? The answer, one girl took the basket. She took the last apple while it was in the basket. Sometimes all it takes is a perspective shift. This is my specialty, y'all, and I am opening up two spots in the next two months for dedicated journeyers to work with me to find peace, purpose, and most importantly, perspective. In these journeys, we co-create a curriculum that suits your current blocks, goals, and needs, and we use all the tools, shadow work, books, fiction, remote viewing, intuition, meditation, guided journeys, energy healing, dreaming techniques, you name it, we do it, and all to achieve a commonly held set of objectives. And if you're interested in hearing more, Book a free call with me at www.chriswilty.com forward slash discover. Hi, y'all. Listening to the last season of This Spiritual Fix may have stirred up for you some awareness of how the mother wound ties into so many of our subconscious needs and desires in our daily lives. Well, we've put together a comprehensive five-week course on this mother wound, complete with meditations, journal prompts, and never-before-seen videos and lectures. This course is designed for you to heal your personal and cosmic attachment wounds, reparent yourself, and surrender to the Great Mother. This course is an intense experience for spiritual seekers, and maybe you're not ready for something that intense yet. So we've put together our version of what we call the Shadow Work Essentials course, the Mother Wound Mini to give you access and awareness to this wound with tools to process your energy and to remember the Cosmic Mother's love for you. I cannot emphasize enough how much this work has changed my relationship with my partner, my kids, my family, and the world. It can be life-changing for you too. Go to our shop, www.thisspiritualfix.com forward slash shop for more details.